All right. Welcome back to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. We are a partnership with Black and Gold Hockey Productions. You're here with co-host, father and son duo this time, Andrew and Jim Lindroth. Dad, it's nice to have you back on today. How are you? Hey, thanks, Andrew. Yeah, I had to do a little bit of traveling there. And Andrew is actually at work, so we're not in he's not in the studio. So his audio might be a little uh raspy, but glad to have him. Andrew, we've been waiting, we've been trying for a year to get this guy on. We finally had a good connection. We got him on. Give us the intro. I'm excited. Yeah, and this one's going to be for our Sheffield listeners today. So today we have Brandon McNally on the show. So Brandon played in the USHS for his high school, Belmont High School, and was also captain his senior year. Following his teenage days, he committed to Dartmouth College and played for the team uh, from 2011 to 2015 and even made a short AHL appearance at the tail end of his senior year. Once uh, Brandon officially joined the pros full-time, he battled out between the ECHL and AHL from 2015 to 2018 before making his journey overseas to play professionally. From there, he played Italy for the next few years and made his way through Denmark and Sweden and now has ended up in the EIHL last season with the Carter Devils and now this year a fan favorite in Sheffield. Without further ado, welcome Brandon McNally. How are you today, man? Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. So, Brandon... You start off here in Belmont. You're from Saugus. And of course, uh, the Sheffield listeners, this is the Boston area where Andrew and I are originally from. So you're in Saugus. You went to Belmont, an, an affluent school. How did, how did you end up in Belmont from Saugus? The North Shore of Boston I'm from, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just a good opportunity for me to, uh, to go play hockey. Belmont Hill is a really, really good school. Um, I know not many people maybe know about it but we had some we had a lot of guys that play in the NHL right now like uh, I played with VZ for a couple of years I played with Grizz Grizzlick um Condon was our goalie yeah um yeah so it's it's a pretty good uh pretty good hockey school but it was more of uh, academics yeah so you committed to Dartmouth College is there any other tables or any other uh, offer on the table at all from any other schools yeah um I had a couple of hockey schools that were interested. Um, most of the schools wanted me to take a year off. I actually have a pretty good story. I, I was on the Dartmouth campus. Um, my, uh, saw junior year of Belmont Hill and I was getting offers from a few schools and it was, came down between uh, Harvard and Dartmouth. And I remember we were in the campus and, um, Dave Peters was my, was my recruiter. He was the assistant coach at Dartmouth. And he said, and I, it, you're, if, when you're a Boston kid, you know, your dreams to play in the bean pot. So I, I told him like, I, I want to play in the bean pot. Like, you know, that's, that's every Boston kid's dream. Um, and he said, I I'll, I'll always remember this. He said, do you want to play in the bean pot or do you want to, you want to win a bean pot? Cause that was, <laughs> when, that was when, you know, BU and BC were dominant. Um, so yeah, they they wanted me right away, and, and and they they really wanted me. If I felt good about going there, because you could tell like he wanted me to to go, and I and I could go right after to uh, right after high school. So it was a perfect fit for me. So you do well there at Dartmouth, uh, and you know you're producing numbers that look real good. How did the coaching staff there help prepare you as a pro? Because you only got four quick seasons. And then you start your pro career. Yeah, I mean, Dave Peters, uh, I had a lot of conversation with him, but there was a couple of development camps that I was invited to. Like my sophomore year, I want to say I was invited to Tampa's um, development camp. So I'm trying to remember who was there. Like Vasilevsky was there. 
Um, Nemestikov was there. Um, so that was, you, you, you learn really quickly what it takes to, you know, fit in with those guys. And luckily, I think it was my sophomore year. I found out pretty quick, like what it takes, you know, to get to that next level. And then my junior year, I went to, uh, to Montreal's training camp, um, development camp, and then did a Montreal, uh, development camp tournament. So I got to play a few games there. Um, so that, that definitely helped kind of understand what pro hockey like uh life is like um but yeah dartmouth overall was just a great experience for me i i had a great time there it's more i mean it was the hockey was fun but the school was a lot more fun <laughs> so yeah your senior year um and we've seen this quite a bit now with the guests that we've interviewed and we didn't know it was even a thing but <clears throat> tail end of your senior year it ends and then i believe you're still in school at the time not having graduated yet and uh, you get to make your first stint in the AHL. Um, first of all, is that pretty common? Because we've noticed that a lot, but it's been a lot with uh, former players, like players that had played in the 90s, early 2000s. Um, but what is the story of you getting that first pro contract at the end of your senior year season and uh, the transition, just going straight from college to AHL? Um, so Dartmouth does it a little different because they do trimesters. So... It's, it's not because of hockey. It's for students um, that want to maybe do a semester abroad. So when you're a sophomore, you, it's called a sophomore summer. So everyone stays there in the summer. So um, it's a fall, winter, spring for your trimesters. So I stayed there my sophomore summer, which means I basically graduated early. Um, so I didn't have my soft, uh, senior spring. So I was eligible to go right away. Um, and then, yeah, I went with, uh, Hamilton, Montreal's affiliate, um, being a Boston guy, my family didn't, uh, <laughs> take that too, uh, kindly, but yeah, yeah. So I, I went there, uh, I joined them at the end of my, uh, college career, um, played a couple of games and yeah, that's, that was it. So, um, I've got the next question, but I've got a follow-up. So what was it like in the bean pot? What was it like in the bean pot? Yeah. Well, I never got to play it, but oh, you never yeah. got to play it. No, not Dartmouth. It's uh, Harvard, BU, BC, Northeastern. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. Right. So uh, when I was a kid, we would always go because it would it'd be at the. I'm pretty sure it was the Fleet Center back yeah. then. Yeah. Well, I'm old. It used to be the old garden. Yeah, the garden. Yeah. Okay, so um, you're going from full cage to AHL uh where you know grown men are fighting to you know put food on the table for their family talk about the transition from collegiate hockey into uh pro yeah i mean it was uh <laughs> it was an eye opener for sure when i when i got to hamilton um ontario it was i got there and i kind of felt out of place at the beginning <laughs> it was like wow these guys are um big strong fast hockey players um I mean, the, the fighting so much didn't really intimidate me just because, I mean, we're North Shore guys from Boston. We, right. that's, that's, that's normal. Um, that's normal for summer hockey. So that, that was, that didn't really intimidate me too much. It was more like the speed and thinking the game and, um, you know, kind of having that confidence and realizing that, Hey, I can, I can play here and I can stay here. So you haven't been a stranger to physical play either. I mean, even back in your high school days, you almost got 100 penalty minutes in the season. 
when did you develop that physicality in your game? And I don't necessarily mean like the fighting and stuff either, because that's always something that's been a part of the game, but just the role that you play on teams, the, the, uh, the power four type role, when did you develop that? Yeah. I mean, I, maybe I was just a lot, a lot bigger um, than everyone else in high school, but it just <clears throat> felt like I just needed to outwork everyone just because everyone was so talented and skilled and like my high school team was really good. And, you know, you're watching Grizzly skate around, like you get to figure out something to, you know, um, stick around or have your role. And mine was just working hard and, you know, pushing myself, my teammates, you know, the opponent, like to the limit and seeing how far, you know, you could go. Um, and I've definitely crossed that line quite a bit, but uh, I think that's, why I've been somewhat successful so far. Was there ever a sort of an eye-opening moment um, in your first year pro that you had to kind of say, well, this is a, a little bit different game and you had to change either mentally or physically how you approach the game? Um, well, my first, my first game pro was um, I'm trying to think of who was on the other team. I want to say it was like Devin Setaguchi. It was like a long, long, long time NHL guy. And I was just like, whoa, like I'm on the same ice as this guy. But it was funny because um, the first game, my one of my teammates, Bobby Butler, he played in Fort Wayne. Oh, no, sorry, not Bobby, but Bobby Shea, Fort Wayne, uh, tough guy. Um he had a fight and he, he punched the guy, the guy hit his head on the back of the stanchion and they got taken out in the stretcher. And I was like, this is, this is a, this is a, this is pro hockey, I guess. Um, but yeah, the more, the more I stuck with it and the more I um, just realized like they took you for a reason. Um, it gave me the confidence to, to, you know, I can play here. So do you, do you think, Oh, go ahead, Dan. Yeah, so just to follow up a little bit. So how tough is it? And we've we've asked this question of guys that have played both in the American League and the East Coast League, where uh, you've got NHL contracted players that go up and down between the leagues like that. And it's it's difficult for a guy that uh, uh, doesn't have the NHL contract to actually get the call up from the East Coast to the American League. Um, so when you're doing this, what is it like? when you're being called up and you get down, but you're called up, but you're not the contracted player, how difficult is it? And, and does it mess up the chemistry of say the East coast team to have players constantly doing that? Um, I would say, well, the, the American league is, you know, an internal battle every day. Like you're competing against your line mate. You're competing against everyone to just either stick around or to get that call up. Um, like when I was in, uh, St. John's, um, I wasn't playing too much. Like I was fourth line. I was playing with John Scott, uh, Eric Nielsen, uh, who I think he played Manch for a while, two tough guys. Like I didn't really have a role. I was trying to just, you know, figure out. And then I got sent down to Brampton and it was almost like a breath of fresh air. Like now I could just play like, um, it wasn't really you know, you're battling against your, your line mates or something. It's felt more of like a team, team camaraderie. Um, so yeah, that, 
that's what I would say the biggest difference between the American League and the Coast, just because, like, both leagues are good now. Like, both leagues have players that can play and and tough guys and skilled guys. and um, But, like, when you get to the American League and you're not on one of those NHL deals, it's almost like you're even fighting harder against it. Do you, uh, just kind of an off-topic question from earlier, do you think fighting is going to continue to have a place in hockey or do you think that it'll be banned essentially internationally or at least on, you know, North American pro scale? Do you think it'll ever... Uh, I, don't think it'll, I don't think it'll ever go away completely, but you definitely have... It's definitely changed as in, like, I don't know, who, who do you consider a fighter like Tom Wilson? I, cons- I don't consider him a fighter. I consider him a guy that plays hard and plays tough, but and that can fight like you'll have guys like that and he plays with Ovechkin I'm pretty sure I mean I don't I don't know how accurate my uh assumptions are but he's a guy that can score goals and make plays and he's willing to drop the gloves and protect his teammates so I don't think it'll ever go away completely but it'll more so of the guys that can't play hockey and and they're just there strictly to fight so we've asked this question for guys uh, that have followed a similar uh pro path of uh, kind of finishing up in North America and then um, signing on either to the KHL or to uh, Italy or to France or to the UK or Sweden. Uh, what led to your decision to uh, move from North America and start playing in Italy? Yeah, it was a tough decision because I I loved uh, Cincinnati. Um, I had a great time there. It's a great place to play. It's an undercover city like it's it's a really nice city um and then my coach actually left for the american league so that was kind of one of the factors because we had a really good relationship so i wasn't really sure what the next coach was going to be like um and then i had an opportunity to get my italian passport so i wanted to take that kind of venture um and see but sometimes i sometimes i you know hindsight you know you wish maybe you stuck it out maybe one or two more years and see what happened. But, you know, I don't really have any regrets. So what made you want to move to Italy anyways? I mean, I know that that's, you know, part of your bloodline and everything. Um, and, and I want to get to it later, too. I don't want to forget that uh, you did represent Italy on the international scale. I believe it was last year. So what, what, what kind of led to your decision to go there and I guess then eventually to represent Italy as well? Not to fast forward through uh, what we're talking about, but just want to focus on Italy for a second. Right. Um, so to be to be uh, considered a talent, you have to play two years in Italy. So you can have a passport, but you won't be able to play for the national team until you play uh, in Italy for two years. So that's kind of I mean, I had options to go other places in Europe, but it was kind of like I should fast forward and um, go to Italy right away, kind of just to get those two years done. And then I could uh, represent Italy, uh, which took a little bit longer than I had hoped, but eventually it, it, uh, it worked out. Yeah. Nice. So before we get to moving on to, uh, to Cardiff, um, you also play in Denmark and what real quick, what was that like? Cause we actually just, uh, Andrew, we just had, was it Tansy that was on two weeks ago and he's now playing in Denmark at the moment. Yeah. 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 So can't, what, can't... Was it like, what was it like doing a quick stint in Denmark? Cause uh, we asked Tansy about, Denmark let's see if uh, your experiences match his <laughs> yeah so um that was the that was the COVID year so it was tough to kind of find a job 
Um, so I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. And then um, a coach that I had in Cincinnati, Mark Lefebvre, he was coaching in Denmark. And um, I, I contacted him and he, he gave me the opportunity to go out. And, and Denmark, uh, the country, is unbelievable. Like, I had such a good time there. That might have been one of the, my favorite places to play. Like, even, even with the COVID restrictions and stuff like that, it was just great group, like great people, um, awesome city. Um, and then, but the hockey was kind of a little different for me. Like it was a little too soft and, um, I couldn't really play a physical style. It was tough for me. So it was just, uh, yeah, it, it felt really soft. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you had moved. So now you move on to Cardiff. Uh, first time EIHL. I just want to talk about your introduction to EIHL. How did you get a hold of somebody to get that deal? Was it an agent or something? Did a coach just call you? How did you end up in Cardiff? Yeah, honestly, I've just been doing my own uh, um, own calls, own texts. I've just been uh, grinding it out. That's how it kind of feels like how my career has gone. I just I keep sticking around and pushing and, um, and something finally works out because our coach, um, Jared Scaldi, he coached with, um, one of the coaches in Cincinnati. So I got a contact through that and I texted Scalds and I said, Hey, what do you think? And, um, he responded right away. We had a couple phone calls and he said, yeah, we, we'd, we'd love to have you. So I kind of been, uh, kind of doing my own work for the past, four or five years, but, um, yeah. Yeah. So you're definitely uh, a multifaceted player, but just to go on sort of the, the, the tough guy role here for a minute. So I'm pulling up, uh, and Andrew and I checked out your stuff about a year ago, uh, when you're in Cardiff and we were, we, you know, we just love it. Maybe it's a Boston thing. I don't know, but we love this style of play, but I, I do got to ask. And, and if you don't want to get too into it, that's fine. But the YouTube, uh, where, you kind of attack everybody on the place. You kind of like snap, eh? And and like some fan, I don't know where it was, but some fans running down and we wanted to fight you uh, right off the yacht. What what's going on over there with that? Yeah, it was. Uh, sometimes it just uh, turns red and <laughs> you can't control it. Yeah, um, I still get abuse from that every time I go there. So it's not a. It's not a. <laughs> It hasn't, and, uh, it hasn't and, passed and, yet. So. Where was it? Where was it again? It was in uh, Dundee, Scotland. Yeah. Uh, so one of the teams up north. Um, yeah, it was just one of those one of those times where you kind of lose it, and then you get a bottle thrown, and then you kind of <laughs> lose it again, and then uh, you got to get ex escorted off the ice. But those things happen. It's, uh, you know, it's an entertainment. Um, I mean – puts on a show for the fans so i some some people don't like it but that's that's how it is <laughs> yeah I mean, I, and i think you were listed as one of the one of the three top most disliked players uh obviously not not cardiff but uh from the rest of the league last year that's a badge of honor right there <laughs> it's fun being the villain sometimes <laughs> yeah, it's like uh marchant but with uh a lot of muscles and strength, not to say yeah. <laughs> she isn't uh, strong. 
So has has the fan bases uh, overseas really surprised you, especially like with that soccer mentality and how close they are, especially like after playing in the AHL and ECHL? You know, we, we get good crowds in Tulsa, I feel like, but it's not like, you know, people are paying tons of attention all the time and things, but it seems like they're into it. doesn't matter which team. Um, what, what's kind of been your experience comparing it to the North American uh, teams that you played for? Yeah, I mean, it's more, uh, I don't know how to say more intimate, like they're right above you. They're yelling at you the whole game. Um, but we had some experiences in Toledo and uh, the jungle in Fort Wayne. Like those are places where, like, you know, when you go there, you're like, this is going to be a tough night. So I've kind of experienced that already. So I'm kind of used to it. But yeah, it's a little different with these smaller rinks and just some people just don't know when to stop. So it's like all game, all game, all game. So, you know, there's only so much, uh, there's only so much you can take after a while. So I take it that um, the uh, EIHL is is similar with um, not offering like extended contracts, much like uh, the East coast league over here. So things uh, uh, might not work out in Cardiff. And I heard, you were just insistent with Fox at Sheffield to say, hey, I'm your your guy here. Uh, sign me. And he did. How did that come about with dealing with uh, Fox and then Tony, the owner of signing a deal for Sheffield? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a I had a chance to play world championships, so I, I wanted to take that opportunity and kind of see what my uh, offers would be after that, just because I would get a lot more exposure, which. I had some offers from France and uh, Hungary and stuff like that, but I just knew that the UK fit my style more and I knew um, I know what I can bring to any team. So I, um, I know like people just like to, to say this, Oh, you can't play hockey, but I mean, you can look at my stats and you can look at where I've played and where I've been. Like, I don't think you're, you're playing many places if, um, especially when you're an import and old, like out of four imports, they're not, they're not taking a guy that can't play hockey. So, yeah. So I, I called Foxy and I said, Hey, I'm ready when you are. And uh, yeah, luckily they, we made a deal and uh, I'm happy to be here. So how hard is it as a professional athlete to kind of be, doesn't matter which league it is when, when it's kind of set up that way, where it's just kind of one year deals and everything, not having, some sort of uh, comfort that you're going to have that job security for four or five years, whatever a, a good term contract would be. Is it tough mentally to kind of like stay on track, especially if you're bouncing team to team just due to contracts and cap situations? I know we kind of talked about it earlier with the e- ECHL team chemistry, but for you personally as a pro athlete, does that affect you at all ever, the mindset? Yeah, it's a grind in the summer. Like I didn't find out I was coming to Sheffield until like, August so it's like you get to kind of wait around all summer especially like when you're not a um a top top guy like like I'm I wouldn't consider myself a top top guy but I definitely bring something um necessary for a team so you kind of have to wait a little bit longer than maybe like most teams are looking for you know a sniper or a goal scorer or something like that so those guys probably have um uh, the, the first couple of options. So for me, I kind of have to wait it out and see, but for the most part, I've been pretty confident that a team will end up taking me. It's so luckily I haven't really um, 
had any problems so far. So let's talk a little Sheffield here right now. So Sheffield was off to a great start. Um, and Andrew and I did a quick uh, episode not too long ago, just going through stats and so forth. And, you know, minus the uh, the January where you guys have had a little bit of a slump and hopefully you're past that now that it's in February. Um, a lot of depth on this team. And you're having uh, a very good season. I mean, Andrew, where we're at, like seven goals, 20 points in 35 games. Yeah. Um, he's already everybody, everybody's contributing uh, a lot of vets on this team. Talk a little bit about team chemistry and, I'm just amazed at, at, at the depth. It reminds me a lot of like the Boston Bruins right now. Yeah. I mean, we have, if you look at our roster, we have a lot of guys that have played in really good leagues and really good places. So um, it's been nice. Um, I mean, to be honest, Greeny's been saving us the goalie, Matt Greenfield. He's been playing unbelievable. Um, that's why he's one of the top goalies in the league. So he's definitely been saving us, but um yeah, when we went on that run, it was just everything was clicking. And, you know, sometimes you go through those slumps, but um, we know we know we have a good team and we know um, we're going to, you know, hopefully be there in the end. So, yeah, it's been good. Um, everyone's contributing fourth line, third line. We have four lines that can play. Um, all of our D can play. So, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, do you want to jump to the uh, the lightning round now? No, I just a couple of quick follow-ups here before we get the lightning round. So sure. uh, talk a little bit, Brandon, about the uh, Sheffield fans. Um, you know, based on Andrew and I getting to know a lot of Sheffield fans online through the podcast, um, doesn't look like it, – it, it seems like everybody hates on the Sheffield fans. But the Sheffield fans, I mean, they seem passionate. Uh, you guys have had – uh, I think a bunch of sellouts there. Talk a little bit about the fan base specifically in Sheffield and what is it like for the opponents to come into that building? Yeah. I mean, I think it was boxing day. Um, the games uh, around Christmas, we, I think it might've been 9,000 fans. Like that's insane. Like that's incredible. So uh, the fans have been really supportive this year, especially, you know, coming off of COVID um where you know money might be a little bit tight um it's been great for us to have that that support and um yeah it's a tough place to come in i mean unfortunately we haven't been too good at home um so that's something you know we need to improve on which um we're gonna make it more of a fortress like in fort wayne and uh the jungle um but yeah it's been incredible um because last year i'm pretty sure all 9,000 of them in the rink hated me. So, yeah. So talk a little bit about locker room culture here. It seems to me is there's a good culture going on there in the locker room at Sheffield. Uh, and again, you guys just got through the really the first and only slump that you've had all this season. But you guys have got the semifinals for the Challenge Cup coming up against Fife in a, in a, in a week or so. Uh, what's going on in the locker room? What's being talked about? I mean, you got great players like Dow. That's that's there. What are the voices saying in the locker room? Yeah, I mean, we've got, we got a lot of uh, leaders in our team. A lot of guys that have been around. Um, saw a captain uh, Jono. Um, we know we just we can't get too high, can't get too low, and uh, that's kind of been the message. Kind of stick with it uh, when things aren't going too great. Um, and 
you know, we, we have the team to bounce back um, from that challenge cup and, you know, we have a team that can go on a run again. So that's kind of what we need. And that's kind of what, you know, we've been focusing on. We can only focus on us. It's about us. Like it's not about, you know, what anyone else is saying. So we got to take care of um, our games. And what's the role like for you there at Sheffield? Are you happy with the role that you're in? You're certainly producing points. I mean, I think you're already surpassing points that you did last year. I could be wrong. I don't, maybe I shouldn't say that, Andrew. Andrew's a stack guy. Andrew's a stack guy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's been good. Like, I I knew my role coming in, and um, I've been playing my role. I mean, last year I was... Last year I was on the power play too, and I had um, I have more points this year, and I'm not on the power play, so I think I've uh, contributed enough um, to help the team win, and uh, I think I can only do uh, what I need to do and kind of you know look in the mirror and say uh, play your role, and that's it. Last question: um, What's the work ethic right now? Getting ready for that semifinal uh, Challenge Cup game and finishing out the season what's the work ethic at practice how are the coaches pushing you guys and um i mean certainly you guys haven't been um sleeping at the wheel even though i think some fans have have, might have mentioned that in january i mean that's certainly not the case with pros but uh what's the work ethic and what are you guys doing to uh right the ship and getting back to the way it was yeah well it's funny you know like you know, it's funny when people say, Oh, you can't take a night off. You can't take a night off. Well, we're not taking a night off. We're always, I I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I'm giving it my all every game. And, you know, like maybe I make a bad play, but you know, it's, Oh, he didn't, he took a night off. You know, it's funny. It's funny when you hear that, but you know, we just got to stay focused and um, control, control us. I mean, we're going to have a February break actually next week for, international so i'm actually going to italy for the national team um to play some games there and then we come back i think gb is doing an international break too so they'll be playing a couple of um international games and then we come back and uh yeah we get to focus on you know coming back from a one goal deficit and take care of business so do you think that breaks are going to be a good thing or a bad thing uh, well i'm gonna i'm gonna be skating and playing hockey still. So I, I, I won't, uh, I won't really lose anything hopefully. Um, so I think it'll be good for me kind of just to, um, uh, you know, get a change a little bit for the week and kind of, um, get in a new dressing room and kind of, um, let the mind relax and, you know, have a new experience, a good experience, and then come back refreshed. I know some guys, you know, maybe go on a trip to do that, but I, I just love playing hockey. I could, I could do it all the time. So I'm, I'm excited to go there. Yeah. All right, Andrew, first lightning round, you take it. All right. So uh, Brandon, like I said, lightning round, all you're going to do first thing that comes to your mind, if there's a story, feel free. The time is yours. It might just be a name. You could just say a name and that's fine too. All right, here we go. We're going to put them on the spot, Andrew. Who is, or was the toughest goalie for you to score on in your career so far? Oh, geez. Um, Ask at camp. I scored on him. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my claim to fame. Uh, uh, I mean, we had Caruth last year. He was unbelievable. 
uh, Greenfield this year. I'm trying to yeah. think. Real question uh, about real question about uh, Greenfield is um, he's played every game. It seems played every game. Um, how is he holding up? And what an opportunity for this guy. I mean, poor Oslung got hurt, right? Didn't play, and I guess he was projected to be the number one. And then, you know, Greenfield just sort of said okay and took the opportunity. And boy, is he having a season! Yeah, yeah, it's been incredible. I mean, good for him. He's such a good guy. Talk about a locker room guy. He's such a good guy. Everyone loves him. Um, you know, he's the type of guy that you know makes you want to work harder for him just because he's such a good person and he's such a good player. So it's been what a break for him, and uh, I don't think anyone's. Um, could be more happier for him. Any pregame superstitions or rituals? I like to listen to Blink-182 a little bit. Taylor Swift. Nice. What's your favorite Blink-182 song? Or which one is your jam? <laughs> I miss you. Nice. Yeah. Good stuff. Andrew? Which arena, which arena had the worst ice conditions? Or so far? Uh, we always hear the Florida teams are pretty I only, bad. I can only remember this year. I'm trying to think. I mean, some of the rinks in Italy were outside, but but although they were outside, it made the ice better because it was colder. So uh, I got to say um, Manchester's ice is pretty bad. Okay, toughest player, uh, two-part question. Toughest player that you fought against and toughest player to play against, meaning – you know, you're battling in front of the net, and this guy is just so strong. Toughest player I've fought <laughs> is actually a pretty good story. Uh, I, I think I was in St. John's, and I kind of kind of realized that, you know, I needed to do something else to kind of stick around. So, and, and at that point, I hadn't, I think it might have been my first or second fight ever. Well, <laughs> professional hockey fight. And um i fought mark frazier i want to say it's mark frazier yeah i'd have played for ottawa and toronto too yeah i'm pretty sure it was mark frazier so it didn't go so well like i think he broke his hand on my head um but i i felt i felt pretty good i felt pretty good about it and then the next day at practice you know coach called me in and i thought i was gonna get like a at a boy and uh, it was more of a, do you know who you fought last night? And I said, uh, no, not really. He goes, oh, we'll do your research next time. And <laughs> he kind of shut the door. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But so um, um, off, the, off the beat question, because we've asked this with guys that, that have dropped the gloves, uh, particularly former players, um, they describe the situation where a guy is going to say, hey, you want to go? And all of a sudden you go from being sort of, you know, aware that you're in a hockey game, but then it clicks and you just see red and they talk about, it's just a switch that goes on and you just got to start fighting and trying to put your fist through the, the guy's head. Is that what it's like for you when it's finally like, okay, I'm dropping the gloves. Is it instant turn switching to the switch? Um, I would say it's more of when I, you know, take that first punch then it's more of like okay i i gotta turn it on here maybe i'm in one so uh <laughs> yeah i don't i wouldn't say it's ever been really like instant turn red unless unless it's 
you know, one of my teammates was hit badly or I was hit badly or something like that, then it's more of uh, angry. Yeah. And it's like that preseason brawl we saw you in too. You just like took on the whole damn team. <laughs> I forgot who you were playing too, but it was so funny. <laughs> so uh, who's who's been the rat in your career or is there a current rat in the IHL, especially a guy that likes to get on your skin, but that maybe won't fight you? Um, is there a Marchant or anybody like that that you've had in your career? I would say, uh, I, th- I would say cons is pretty good at being the, the rat role that we have on a, in Sheffield. We didn't, he didn't play last year because he was hurt, but we played him at the beginning of the year. And I think maybe we got in a little like uh pushing match and I was like, Oh, this guy, we're going to, it's going to be a long year playing against this guy. Um, but unfortunately I think he, uh, he hurt himself last year. So he missed the whole year, but this year he's kind of uh, played that role. I feel like he's played that role his whole life. So it's uh, he's, if his player comparison would be Brad Marchand, hundred percent, cause he can score, he can make plays and um, he plays that, you know, that rat role. This could go all the way back to your collegiate uh, career. Who is a uh, favorite linemate? Uh, Eric Neely. He was a Sheffield Steeler too. Um, we played together in college and then uh, we've, we've been trying to play together pro. Uh, we've been trying to find a place to play together. I was hoping that he would come back to the UK, but he's, he's settled nice down in uh, Atlanta right now. So, What's the most embarrassing thing to happen to you during a game or warm-up? <laughs> Ooh. Most embarrassing thing during a game. I mean, the classic falling in warm-up is, is pretty good. Gets the boys going um have you ever scored on your own net on accident or seen that on your team no but we had a good uh it's actually funny we had maybe this one's not embarrassing but it's a good moment uh there was a top 10 sports center canadian hockey day whatever it wasn't even me but i was on the ice um of a guy shooting it down the ice into an empty net and bud holloway um he skated full speed and jumped and batted the puck out of the air with one hand. And it was like the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Um, it's probably on YouTube. It's like Bud Holloway saves empty net goal. It's crazy. I think you can see me in the background because I'm probably, I'm just waiting for this, the goal to go in. It's awesome. Right. For me, the last one. And then Andrew, you can finish Uh worst locker room you've ever been in. Where was it at? We're going to say pro career, leave out Khalid. Pro career. Yeah. My my memories my memory is not great to be honest. I, I'm all I'm only thinking UK, but I'm sure there were some in Italy because, like I said before, like some of the rinks are outside and it's freezing cold. And um, I mean Manchester is not great again. Manchester, <laughs> it's freezing. Poor Manchester, no hot showers. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I would I would love playing there though because I like the small rink. <laughs> so I don't I don't mean for this one to sound too broad or generic, but just the first thing that pops in your head whenever I say, "What's been the most fond memory of your hockey career so far?" Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to one of the guys today about that. You know, you never really get a chance to kind of look back and and um, say like, "Wow, like wow, I did that." So last year I played World Championship. 
um, in Finland. So I played Canada. Um, I'm trying to think who was on Canada. Played against Barzell, um, Cider from Germany, who plays on Detroit. Um, I think Tatar was in Slovakia. Well, I played against the first round draft pick this last year too, who's in Montreal. Um, so that that was definitely one we will look back and say, hey, like, wow, that was crazy. We were actually beating Canada one nothing. It didn't end well, but <laughs> um, yeah, that was definitely a fond moment. And then another one that always, when I get asked this question, that I always remember is when we uh, for high school was when Belmont Hill played St. Sebastian's at Fenway for the winter classic. And uh, I scored and I uh, pretended like I hit a home run off the green monster uh, over the green monster. Oh, that's awesome. There weren't many, there weren't many uh, camera crews and, and <laughs> photos being taken back then. So I, I don't have that memory on, on film, which I wish I did, but yeah. That's awesome. We're going to say goodbye off air, but officially uh, we can't thank you enough. This has been great for us. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you guys. It's been awesome. All right, Andrew, we finally got Brandon on. What do you think? Great guy. Yeah, great guy. Excited to have uh, the Sheffield listeners um, tune in on this one. And uh, yeah, just was an awesome interview with the great guy. I was excited to get him on. Yeah, I'm sure there's some Cardiff fans that uh, 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 are going to listen to this as well. And uh, Boston boy. So I love that. I love his style of play. He is a power forward, but he'll stick up for his teammates and uh you know, he does have that little bit of a uh, crazy switch that kind of goes off every once in a while. It's pretty entertaining. Yeah, no, it's, it's good stuff. And uh, definitely we need to look up that uh, one video he was talking about too. That sounded pretty funny. So yeah, definitely check out uh, Brandon McNally's career because dude, dude's a savage. He really is. He is. He is great, great player. Anyway, Andrew, we've got more guests coming on. And uh, we're off to uh, 2023, off to a great start. Well, we appreciate everybody tuning in today. Thank you. Thank you guys very much.